0: What I talked about last, I want, I want to kind of uh, springboard off of. Uh, we were talking about new covenant, what it looks like to live in the new covenant. We were uh, we were kind of coming into where uh, Cornelius had got a, gotten a visit from an angel. Y'all remember that? And Peter did as well. And so we we were kind of coming and understanding that. You know, Jesus came for the lost sheep of Israel first, you know, all through the, the New Testament. He would talk about that when people come and say, hey, I need this, or I need this person healed. And he would say, don't you know that I came for the lost sheep of Israel? He had, he had kind of an order of things of what he was doing, and, and he did it in that order to, to fulfill the prophecy that, that was about him. And so when he did, he came, and he, his spirit was poured out on, on the circumcised, and then this, this, whole, this whole thing unfolds with Cornelius, who was uh, a Gentile, Gets a visit from an angel and goes, says to go find Peter. Peter gives a vision that three men were coming, and they did. Um, and Peter's vision talks about uh, God's telling him to, to get up, kill, and eat. And Peter says, surely not. I've never eaten anything impure or unclean. And the voice spoke to him a second time, do not call anything impure that God has made clean. And that's such a powerful statement, especially in the context of what's going on here, because uh, he's about to actually see this stuff unfold right in front of his face. Uh, so Peter's still trying to reconcile the grace in his heart with the law in his mind. So the whole thing that, that John the Baptist brought was repentance, especially for the Jews. It was metanoia, means change the way you think. They had old covenant on their brain. That's all they knew, and they grew up in that, I mean, just seriously grew up in that, that environment. Um, it, it's like religion on steroids. I mean, this was, this was life to them. And so when John came talking about repentance, he wasn't just saying, oh, feel bad about your sin and change how you act he was saying this whole world is about your whole idea of kingdoms and this whole worldview is about to be turned on its head. Change the way you see everything because this whole covenant thing is about to go away. There's many times, especially throughout the Gospels, uh, where it talks about the, uh, in the last days, and we're going to get to that in a minute, but it's not talking about the end of time last days. It's talking about the last days of the old covenant. And when he when he, says, when he uses these references of last days, that's what he's talking about here. And so Peter's trying to reconcile all this, so he finally he goes out and he gets to the Gentiles and, he, and he, I, I feel like the, the situation is a little awkward because nobody really knows why they're there, right? Like, they both got visions. They, okay, these guys are coming, and then he got a vision about don't call, you know, unclean what I call clean. And he's like, okay, go with these guys. There's three guys coming, and they get a vision of him. So then they're sitting in this room, and he's like, well, I guess I'll preach. I don't know what else to do. So he starts giving them the gospel. Like, he just starts telling them about forgiveness of sins. And in the middle of him speaking, the Holy Spirit falls on all these Gentiles. And it is literally what they saw in Acts 2, right in front of them, talking about in the last days. And I'm not going to read all the way through it because we already read through it, but Acts two seventeen is what they're actually seeing. It says in the last days, and it's talking about the last days of the Old Covenant, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. and Your old men will dream dreams. Even on, even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Now, this is what the prophet Joel had prophesied all the way up to now, that it would be all nations. That's a huge deal. And so you got these, and they literally said that the circumcised men there were amazed that the same Holy Spirit that they got was given to the Gentiles. They were amazed, and I believe they were genuinely amazed. Like, they didn't know what to do because this was huge. Gentiles could not have access to God in the Old Covenant. They couldn't. They weren't God's chosen people. I mean, this is is a big deal. And so I kind of want to springboard from that to kind of where I want to go today. Um, and kind of, and, and still kind of tying up from what I was talking about last week about how, how we know we're sons of God um, because we, we really didn't have lineage as far as who we were um, in our background. But John 1.12 says, But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name. So I love that because I remember, especially in my denominational background, there was a lot of talk of generational curses. Have you all ever heard that? We would cast out generational curses. I swear it was every week. And I was all about it because I thought, man, I've probably got some pretty pretty bad ones. Because my I mean, and you see that in the old covenant, your fathers had sinned, and you know, it was a generational thing. But the beautiful thing in the new covenant is God doesn't God doesn't relate to us anymore on a corporate level as his his people, he's an individual. He's on an individual level. And so he's not looking at what someone else did. We're all held accountable for what we do. And I love it, we'll get to it maybe in a minute too, or I'll jump ahead. But I love it because it talks about uh Every knee will bow, and every tongue will confess. And it's so ironic that people use that to judge people, and it's the very scripture that's telling you not to judge people. What it's saying is everyone will be held accountable for themselves, stop looking at your brother and your sister about what they're doing. Mind your business is what it, in the Wakiza interpretive version. Mind your business. Don't be in everybody else's business. Don't worry, this is, I don't wanna, I don't like talking too much about the problem, I like talking about the solution, but I'll touch on the problem real quick. That's part of what social media has created is this mind everybody else's business business. And it's so easy and I'm just as guilty as anybody else to get on there. I've done better since they hacked my account and I'm aggravated. Um, But I've used it as a a time to not scroll too much. I'll count how many times I scroll. I'm like, that's enough. I don't need to be in everybody's business. And I'll just post stuff every once in a while and I try not to be too much on there. Um, But what it does is it gives, it does several things. It gives everyone a platform, whether they're right or wrong or whatever. It gives everyone an opinion, which there's plenty of opinions out there, I don't know if you know. And it can be very confusing because I look back at my old account, and I, I don't remember how many. I must have had a 1,000 friends on there, and I don't think I have a 1,000 friends in real life. But on, on Facebook, I had a 1,000 friends, right? And I would literally, like, I would get caught up, sometimes too caught up in discussions that I had no business of even being in. It's none of my business. Now, there were times that it was hel- healthy, and I'm not saying it's all bad, but there, it's, it's, it can be a very easy trap to fall into to be distracted by lots of nonsense that's not really even in your business. So when it talks about every tongue will confess, every knee will bow, he's talking about, listen, you're gonna be held accountable for yourself. Don't worry about everybody else. All right. So there's no more I, I got way off topic there. Generational curses. There is if you were born again there are no more generational curses. You you don't have to keep praying them away. They don't exist anymore. You are of a new generation. You have the DNA of Christ. You have the blood of Christ in you. You have the Holy Spirit. Like the same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead now dwells where? In you. There's no wishy-washy tug and pull and, oh, I, you know, like God's going to smite me today because of this thing. It's where it doesn't make any sense. He's not some cosmic killjoy that's waiting for you to mess up so he can smite you. That's, that's, that's what we think when we, or that's what I used to think when I would relate to God, was that, that God was just this angry, angry God that just wanted to wipe everybody out all the time. I neglected the whole story of the Bible where he rescued us all through Jesus. I just saw the parts that I wanted to see. Um, so don't worry about generational curses anymore. You have now only generational blessings. All blessings are found in Christ, and Christ is in you, and you are in Christ. Galatians 3:26 says, For you are all sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither slave nor free, there's no male nor female for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Wow. We have been grafted in to God's chosen people. We have been brought into a relationship and a covenant with God. It's huge. It's such a big deal. And hear me when it says all a lot here. I'm not not a universalist. I don't think that everyone is just saved by default. But I do believe that the work is finished and there is no reason not to be and that it is God's heart that all come to know him. So when he says all here, he's really emphasizing that it's for all nations, not just God's chosen people. And it's something that we have to know because it's, this is also very ironic to me that, that Gentiles today, modern day, I, I don't even want to call it Christianity, I'll call it churchianity, some modern day religious churchianity will want to go back to old covenant type teachings and religion which doesn't make any sense because you weren't even invited to that covenant. I mean, we've got whole Hebrews roots movements, people trying to fulfill a law that they weren't even, they, they can't, like God's chosen people couldn't even do it. Why are you Gentiles trying to jump in here and, and get on something that you can't even, there's no way that you could do that. I don't know, it just blows my mind. Um, you've got this great covenant, it's like, well, I guess, I'm get off topic too much. All right. Um, if you're fighting for equality, you're fighting a battle that Jesus already won. We're all heirs, male, female. It doesn't matter your background, anything that goes on. Galatians 6.15 says neither circumcised nor uncircumcised means anything. What counts is the new creation. So we're not new creations because of some physical lineage. We are new creations because of the spiritual lineage that we've been given through Christ Jesus. Him and us, us and him, us all together. I always think about the, the BFF necklace that has the heart with the little thing. He has one and you have the other. You're together forever, forever. All right. I don't know why I think of that, but that's what I think about. Uh, Romans, uh, Romans 14, 1 says, accept this is this is, I'm jumping, this is from last week. This is what I jump, I want to jump on this week. This is how we we live this out day to day. When we talk about this love that God gave us and this new covenant that we have, I want to kind of look at a, and I hate to say that I hate to use the term practical because I'm not the best like practical teacher, but this is this is the way we live this out. Romans 14.1 says, accept the one whose faith is weak. Without quarreling over disputable matters, one person's faith allows them to eat anything, but another who's, this is funny to me, another whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. So you vegetarians out there. You guys have weak faith. But it says right here, verse 3, I'm going against what he's about to say right here. The one who says, the one who eats everything must not treat with contempt the one who does not. So I apologize. Uh, and the one who does not eat everything must not judge the one who does, for God has accepted them both. And I had I was going to send a video to Elijah, but I never did. But there, y'all have probably seen it before. That if meat eaters acted like vegetarians, if you haven't, Google it. It's on YouTube. It's hilarious. <laughs> the guy treats people with contempt. The ones that pretty funny. Um, but he's not just he's not specifically talking about food here. Back then, specifically, we're talking about food offered to idols. And there was a lot of there was a lot of things that were tied to that. That was a very performance-based system, where you had to uh, cross all the Ts and dot all the lowercase Js. That's a movie quote. If you don't if you don't know it, get back with me on that. Um, but you, you had to like go through all the the different the, the different things that you had to be very specific on what you did and what you didn't do. And what God's trying to express here, especially in this new covenant, is going to be very individual. It's going to be very. Um, even Nick and I were talking about this this morning that. God didn't heal, this, or Jesus didn't heal the same way every time, or we would create this, we would be the spit-in-the-mud church, you know, because we would just create this formula around it. But I love that Jesus didn't do that. Jesus related to each person individual. And we, as we were even talking about love, Christ loved us so much that he sacrificed himself for us on the cross, but he also loved us so much that he turned tables over in the cur- courtyard where people were being treated unfairly. So when we say love, this isn't puppy dogs and butterflies. Like, this agape love that we're talking about that, that comes from God that we operate in in the new covenant is for you, but it doesn't end at you. Right? We're not reservoirs. We are conduits. So when you receive this, this new covenant love, your, your options are kind of limited. They're limited by your love for your neighbor. They're not limited by a law, necessarily. They're limited by your understanding of what someone needs, and that's only found in, in the context of relationship. I always go back to that time that Mark preached this, and I remember being ignorant and immature and raising my hand in the back. I, mean, like, I didn't agree with what he said about how paramount relationship was. But as I grew up and matured in that, I realized he was, he was dead on. He was very right. It's so important that we have relationship and that we know one another, because how else will we show that love to one another? How do we know if someone needs a whisper or someone needs a slap? <laughs> Not in the spirit, not a real slap. Laying on of hands, that's what I'm talking about. Not laying on of hands, laying on of hands. But I'm just saying, you you have to know what people need because love looks different to different people. Am I right? If you, if you're dealing with uh, um, someone that's a drug addict and they're asking you for money, do you give them money? No, because they may go spend it on drugs, right? You, th- there's a diff- If you're dealing with someone who struggles with with. Something else. I don't want to just hit the hot topics. There's lots of things that people struggle with. They're not drugs and alcohol. There are lots of other things. But you, if you don't know that person, you haven't built a relationship with them. You don't really know how to minister to them, right? This is where the. the, And this is my opinion. This is where I feel like a lot of street evangelists and some of these things have really failed because they're just shouting in a bullhorn at people and they don't know them. And if you don't build relationships with people, I'm telling you, people don't really want to know. What you're saying, unless they know that you even care about them. This is what I loved when we first started going to this church. When we would do the, we would do outreaches. Um, we would meet people, just like Jesus did, right where they were. We would be at a fruit stand somewhere, and you would pray for someone, and they, sometimes they'd say, "Well, my leg hurts or my neck hurts or, you know, leave me alone, whatever." And then you'd stumble across someone, and their whole life has fallen apart. And I'll never forget that first day that it, that we ran into somebody, and it was at a fruit stand. And her daughter had, had kind of fallen off again, and she had gotten addicted to drugs, and she had taken on two kids, and she thought she was done raising kids. And we spent an hour and a half just ministering and praying with this lady, just like Jesus would have done, just right where she was. She didn't have to step foot in a church. We met her right where she was. And I think that, that if we would have just been with, with a bullhorn screaming about, screaming scriptures that she didn't understand, I don't think that that would have ministered to her at all. But we took the time to sit down. We were sitting down in a car next to her, and she was sitting in a car, and we just talked to her and prayed for her. For like an hour and a half, and that that affected me more than probably twenty or thirty sermons that I'd heard previously. Why is that? It's because it's not just the knowledge. Because what knowledge puffs up. I'm not saying be ignorant. We need to know things, but there's a reason why we gain this knowledge so that we can we can apply it to our lives and love the ones that are around us. Uh, the thing that that when we first were asked to pastor this church that we we weren't. I want to say we weren't prepared. I don't know if anybody's really prepared for something like that necessarily, but we weren't really, I didn't know that that was coming. It wasn't like we were planning this takeover. We're like sitting in the back of the church like, oh, we can't wait. We were, (laughs) it was literally us and the Turners and we were kind of trying to hold Mark up in the end because he was just really, he was done. He was ready to retire and check out. And I remember him coming to me and asking me and I remember thinking, wow, this is huge. This is a big deal and I don't take it lightly. And Tracy and I talked about it and prayed about it and I remember thinking, you know, this is, this is family. This is our life. You know, I don't, I don't know any other way. And I remember thinking, well, maybe we could just not do this and go to a different church or something. We could do something different. And man, as soon as I started thinking about that, it just, man, I, I felt the Holy Spirit just check me. It was like, no, this is this is what I want you to do. And I was like, man, I can't do this. This is a big deal. And he said, I know. And it it put me in a position that i i was i had to lean on him more it wasn't that you know i was a choice <laughs> it was like I, I have no choice i have i have to lean and man it's it's funny when you i had a word i think it was a couple i think it was a couple sundays ago Sean gave me a word and then ben called me like 3 days later and confirmed exactly what she said and I, I remember thinking, man, this feels so eerily similar to back then when we first began to do this because man, I'm really diverting from from my lesson here. Bear with me. Um Man, just just recently I've I've really done a lot of like self-searching and like trying to figure out kind of who I am and as a husband and a father and a pastor, and I was reminded even during worship, it just kept coming back to me how uh, how much of an identity, identity crisis I was in for so many years. I can remember thinking I was a a skater, man, and I wasn't a very good skater, like skateboard skater. But I was trying to find an identity in that, and I remember thinking I was a fighter because I got in fights and I was pretty good at fighting. And then I got jumped one day, and I, I was not invincible. Um, I remember thinking I could get away with everything, anything that I wanted. And then I got arrested one day and realized that I can't get out of bars. <laughs> and I remember being poor and thinking, well, almost using that as a crutch, as though I've got some kind of testimony because I was poor, because we stood in a food stamp line, or I didn't have cool clothes like the other kids. And then I went to Honduras and saw what a different level of poverty in the border. I thought, I wasn't poor at all. <laughs> And I look at all these things and, and I try to gain some perspective on on what all this this, this life, this, this Christ life looks like. And I reflect on my experience even after coming into to the church and understanding, seeing the, the seedy underbelly of ministry um, that many don't see. And you hear people's stories and their lives and you hurt and you cry and you do this stuff and you think, man, I, I was brought all the way back to telling God the other day, I can't do this. I can't can't do it. I can't hold this weight. And he so kindly, gently told me the exact same thing. I know. Never expected you to. But man, how easily even God, all these years later, I've been preaching this stuff for years. How easily I fall back into that trap as though I'm the one doing this stuff. We're just easily distracted. Um, so, uh, confession time there. This is my, uh, <laughs> you, you guys are my counselors. This, I should get a couch up here and lay down. <laughs> All that to say, I just have a heavy heart um, for people sometimes that's hard to uh, hard to put into words but I'm thankful for you guys I'm thankful for this church you guys are family to me And even the ones I know that that are uh, they're either gone or just being safe which is very reasonable I'm not upset about it it just I, I don't like I don't know I don't like distance, man. I don't like being apart from people. And we were out two weeks, man. I thought I was going to fall apart just being away from you guys for two weeks. All right, sorry. That was way sidebar. All right, Romans 14.1. Let's see if we can get back into this. <laughs> sorry. Except the one whose faith is weak. Um, it goes on down to verse 10. You and Then why do you judge your brother or sister? Why do you treat them with contempt? For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. It is written, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me and every tongue will acknowledge God. So then each of us will give account to ourselves, as we were talking about earlier. This is not some corporate thing. This is individuals. Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of a brother or sister. I'm convinced, being fully persuaded in the Lord Jesus, that nothing is unclean in itself. But if anyone regards something as unclean, then for that person it is unclean. If, if your brother or sister is distressed because of what you eat, you are no longer acting in love. Do not by your, by your eating destroy someone for whom Christ died. I mean, that's, that's strong words. And you can substitute eating there for anything. Anything that you elevate above Christ, you can put in that place. And I've said over and over and over again, anything that we elevate above Christ, we step into heresy. And that's even quote-unquote good things. If we come in this place and we find that that God is moving and he's leading us in a direction and we begin to see whatever, fill in the blank there, man, I am 100% on board. But if we make that thing greater than Christ, then we've got a problem. This is my beef with, one of my beefs with denominations. We don't need rooms full of ears and rooms full of eyes and rooms full of feet. The very thing that should be building sustenance and strength in the church divides us and it's ridiculous and it makes me mad. It doesn't make any sense. Do you think in heaven there are divisions, that there are quarrels? I'm um, seriously. Do you think there are? I don't think so. Do you think there's peace in heaven? Do you think the people get along? Where where is heaven? It's not some geographical location. The Bible tells us that heaven the kingdom of heaven is not meat or drink, it is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Heaven should be in your heart. The way that we treat one another should come from that place of heaven, which is not quarreling, which is not gossip, which is not slander, which is not hurtful, hurtful talk, which is not doubt, but it's faith and it's peace and it's joy and it's righteousness. Man, for whatever reason, I, I see someone has a disagreement and they just want to bail and run. And I'm not, this is not any of you guys. A lot of this is on social media that I see. It's just like, man, this is crazy. But relationships are broken over one disagreement can we not get past one disagreement? That's ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous. And I believe that God's not okay with it. Like, I don't think that this is something that he's cool with. I think that if he came, if God wants us to be this perfect bride and he made a way through Jesus, it is our responsibility to live out that life to one another. It's really all we have. We've, we've been created to co-labor with him in this life and so when we walk next to one another if we let and and when I say small things they could be big to you but they're small things to him if we let small things get in between us man that is not on earth as it is in heaven which is pretty much every prayer you should be praying therefore do not let do not let what you know is good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is... Well, there it is right there. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and receives human approval. Look, it's win-win. Where's Bill? Zero-sum-gain. <laughs> if, you, if you serve Christ in this way, it's pleasing to God, and you receive human approval. <laughs> How awesome is that? Let us, therefore, make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. Man, that's that says a lot. Let us make every effort to do what leads to peace and a mutual edification. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. Once again, you can substitute that with whatever you want. All food is clean, but it is wrong for a person to eat anything that causes someone else to stumble. It is better not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything else that will cause your brother or sister to fall. So whatever you believe about these things, keep between yourself and God. Listen, if you, if you want to... Fast, pray, eat certain things, don't eat certain things. If you want to be a veget a veg- I can't even say it. <laughs> That's how much I despise it. No. If you want to be a vegetarian and your faith is weak, you can do that and let that be between you and God. Don't shame us steak eaters. Just don't do it. Blessed is the one who does not condemn himself by what he approves. Listen to that too. Blessed is the one who does not condemn himself about what he uh, Condemn himself by what he approves. It's not our job to approve and disapprove of people. But whoever has doubt is condemned if they eat, because their eating is, is not from faith, and anything that does not come from faith is sin. Um, so we look about we look at this peace and this mutual edification, and we find I've heard Probably over the years, even especially with youth, but even with adults, people will say, well, how do you know you know, that the Holy Spirit is leading me? How do you know that the Holy Spirit is speaking? How does God speak? Is he audible? Does he speak through this? Well, I'll say that, that God can be audible. He can speak audibly, but he can speak in any different way he wants to. He's not really confined to our boxes of what that looks like. I've had God speak in the strangest of ways. I mean, I could tell you story after story where God was speaking, and it wasn't like, hey, Justin, you need to do this, but it would be through a person legitimately one time was through a, a, a man that I met at a youth camp with Down syndrome. It was one of the most powerful, one of the most powerful experiences I ever had with, with a, an individual. It was not from some super pastor. It was from a guy with Down syndrome that was praying for him before we got baptized. I say that to say that it's easy, once you understand the character of God and understand what his kingdom looks like, it's easy to determine whether it's the Holy Spirit leading you or not. Is it leading from love, and I'm not talking about puppy dogs and butterfly love, but is it leading you from an agape, sacrificial love that puts other needs before yourself? That's probably the Holy Spirit. If it's not, <clears throat> it's probably you. You are your greatest enemy. It's probably you thinking it. or you are operating from a place of hurt? That's probably you because God heals those places. We can all do those things. We can operate from hurt. We can operate from our own selfish gain. Those are easy things to do. We can, we can satisfy our flesh fairly easily. I think you and I know well enough to know what the Holy Spirit is leading you to do and what he's not doing. I, I, I say again, we've got all of this evidence in Scripture, and we've got all of the Scripture that can very clearly teach us and tell us exactly what's going on. But in, in any, any given moment, I always say he, God never went through all this trouble of dying, sacrificing his son, raising him from the dead, ascending to send us the Holy Spirit that would confuse you. It doesn't. The Holy Spirit is a comforter. He's a teacher. He's a leader. Who's the author of confusion? Not the Holy Spirit. The devil's the author of confusion. I love Money was a friend of mine that lived in Pritchard. He moved out to Texas. One of his verses and one of his rap, one of his rap songs is uh, Satan is the author of confusion. Bruh, don't be his publisher. <laughs> Oh, I always thought that was a clever verse. In other words, don't reciprocate confusion. Don't. What you give people does not have to blow their minds with how, in, how intellectual you are. It doesn't have to blow their minds of how much power you may have in, in some anointing that you may have. What benefits people is, is listening to what they have to say and loving them enough to love them right where they are and give them give them what God gives you, and that's agape love, unconditional love with no strings attached. That will radically move somebody more than anything will. And none of his words return void anyway. So when you speak from the Holy Spirit, they're doing work. Their seeds are going out. John 14, 25 says, All this I have spoken to you while still with you, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives you. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Listen, he's not giving you peace that's based on your circumstances. Everything doesn't have to go perfectly for you to have peace. When you have the Holy Spirit, you can have peace in the midst of difficulty. Some of the songs we were singing, man, I love that we don't, we don't really, I don't love that, but we don't really communicate what we're going to sing compared to what I'm going to teach. But I love it that almost every single Sunday it lines up exactly. And we were just singing about this stuff. He's in the waiting. We, tr- we trust in him. We know that he's with us even when things don't look right. Man, I saw, I actually reposted it on my Instagram, because I haven't been hacked there yet. Um, it was an old SNL skit, and it was, uh, uh, I can't remember his name, but it it was uh, Romano Tours, and if you've seen it, it was hilarious. He was saying, he had a bad review, they had a bad review um, from these tours, and they were touring, giving people tours in Italy, and he gets on there, and he says, uh, here at Romano Tours, sometimes we get this these bad reviews, and and I uh, just want to be very clear about what we can provide for you here. And he says, uh, he says we can. <clears throat> oh, he said, remember, if you're sad at home and you fly to Italy, it's still going to be you over here. So sad you at home will still be sad you in Italy. <laughs> he said, does that make sense? Do you understand? He said. Uh, he said we can. We can provide all these things. We can, you know, let you fish in the Riviera. You can see different types of squirrels or whatever. He said, we can provide the zip line, but we cannot provide the ability for you to say we and mean it while you're on the zip line. (laughs) He said, we can do all these things. I just want to be very clear. If you were sad at home, you'll be sad in Italy. (laughs) Anyway, he just goes on and on about what we can do. We can show you these beautiful places, but we can't make you comfortable in a bikini. This is just, there's going to be different things that you're going to have to deal with. And he goes on to talk about just what they can provide and what they can't. And I thought it was interesting because it made me think of this, that we we think that, and man, all of us do this. Don't even pretend like you don't. We all have this idea that we can escape our reality. We go on vacation. We go to all these different places. It's what most addictions come from, is is trying to escape this version of reality that we find. Am I wrong? We all do it in one way, shape, or form. Like, I just got to get away. I do it in my shop now. I'll go in my shop and just run away and just go work on something. And that's kind of my place where I can kind of defrag. I'm not saying all those things are bad but as a whole we have to understand that no matter what's going on around us that we have a spirit that's within us that gives us peace not peace like everything else gives us but a peace that surpasses understanding if we could understand it all it wouldn't be God's peace it'd be our peace if man this is this is easy to say but hard hard to see sometimes when you're in the middle of it but I think I think what we need to see especially in this new covenant Christianity is that the reality we live in <clears throat> is much better than the one we're trying to escape to. Let me say that again. <laughs> the reality that you're currently in is greater than what you were trying to escape to. One good example I'll use that, for whatever reason, churches don't talk about a lot, is pornography. Uh, pornography, I know specifically for guys, is this, this idea that, that you're going to escape to something and it's going to be good for you. And I can talk, I've talked to so many guys that have dealt with this, and I've struggled with this in the past as well, you are not fulfilled by any of that stuff ever. None of them are, and they'll tell you it's not fulfilling. At the end of it all, this is not what I want, and they, but they do it anyway thinking that it's going to lead them to something that's going to be good, and it's not. I always, uh, uh, I'm trying to remember the quote. Uh, another rapper, actually, Andy Mineo said, um I'm spitting out lyrics up here. Uh, I can't remember how he said it. Oh, sin always over promises and under delivers. That's what it is. Sin will always overpromise and underdeliver, so it's going to paint this picture. And I always look at the, the the fake fruit. If you go to somebody's house and they have fake fruit, and you take a bite out of it, it's disgusting. It's almost it could be poisonous as well. That's what it is. That's all sin is, is. Sin is trying to 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 produce something that it can't produce. It's dead. The interesting thing is we see that in in bad things like you know drugs and alcohol and pornography stuff, but we don't see them in the quote unquote good things, which is self righteousness. <laughs> and you know religion performance based religion we don't see it in those things because they seem good Um, I love and I saw Paul Paul talked about this uh, from uh, I'm trying to remember I thought I wrote it down yeah here it is John 15 Uh, he talks about being the vine and the branches I didn't write the whole scripture down I just said John 15 and put the vine so hopefully I remember it all uh, but basically, he talks about us being connected to the vine and that God prunes. It says, and I, man, Paul White talked about this. And I never forgot it. He said he cuts off every branch that doesn't produce fruit, but he also produces, I mean, he also prunes the ones that do produce fruit so they can produce more fruit. And I never caught that because I was like, wait a minute. I get the cutting off the branches that don't produce fruit. Those are bad. But you're saying even branches that produce good fruit, he prunes. Pruning doesn't sound very desirable. Pruning seems like pruning is kind of trimming too, Right. But I think that's important that we see that because there are going to be times when our, in, in our lives when it, it doesn't feel like, uh, you know, it doesn't feel good, but God is pruning you so that you can produce more fruit. And that is very comforting to me, especially when I go through things and I, I think about how this doesn't feel good. This doesn't feel good at all. But it, I know well enough to know when I look back, this is what Nick and I was talking, were talking about this morning too, I have to go back and hold on to the times where all the time I can, you know, hindsight's 20-20, all those times when I thought my life was falling apart and God was doing something in those moments. And I mean, I could put a pin on a 100 different times when God made beauty from ashes in my life. Those are the testimonies that we hold on to, not because it's just our experience, but it's because it's, it's a reality to me. It's not just an idea or a theology or a doctrine. It's, okay, this happened, and this is real. This is very real. And so I want to encourage you that from, from me, I want to encourage myself, and you get to listen. From, from being in a place where everything seems perfect to being in a place where everything seems like it's falling apart, God does not change. And he is in every moment and every, every time that you pray, he is listening. He is listening. And we say, well, it doesn't seem like he is because he hasn't answered. Well, he's patient with you because maybe you're not in the place you need to be so that you can receive what he has for you. Man, so many times when I I just wanted to produce fruit and God was pruning, he, he made a better way for me than if I tried to produce it on my, on my own. Those times when I come to him and I say, I can't do this, and he says, I know, <laughs> that's why you need me. He, he has been so faithful. <laughs> Once again, hindsight, not when you're in the middle of it. I, I can't always see it in the middle of it, but in hindsight, I can look back and say, God was using that to teach me something. So in all of this, <clears throat> I know I've rambled a lot, and all of this, spiritual living can seem illogical and goofy sometimes because you're operating from a different kingdom. And when you're waiting or when you are going through a hard time, know that there is... <laughs> there is a legitimate plan for your life. I mean, if he could literally count the hairs on your head, I think he knows what you're going through. If he says over and over and over not to fear, don't be afraid. Listen, in this, in this new covenant, when he gave you a spirit, he didn't, he didn't leave us. He says, I'm not going to leave you as orphans, but we're going to be sons and daughters. And this Holy Spirit is going to be not just an advocate, but he's going to lead us. He's going to comfort us. He's not going to confuse us. He's going to help us through these times. And that's that's what I bank on. That's what I trust in. (sighs) From that place, I encourage you to see other people in the same way. It's easy for us to find flaws in other people. Man, we can be so critical at times. It's easy for us to see flaws in ourselves. I want to encourage you to look for the good in people and, and call it out in them. 2 Corinthians 5.14 says, For Christ's love compels us, because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died, and he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself, through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. He didn't reconcile you to God just to sit over in a corner somewhere and wait for him to come back. He reconciled you to God and gave you that ministry of reconciliation, the Holy Spirit, to reconcile others to God. You will be in no better place, and I don't think you could be any closer to God than when you were ministering to someone else and caring for someone that needs help. He even told the Pharisees, look, I just... I just want you to go back and read what this means. I desire mercy over sacrifice. I wish you would just care for people over this whole sacrificial system that you guys are so caught up in. And the prophecy he was quoting was talking about taking care of orphans and widows, something as simple as that, just caring for people. If there's something that I would want or ask for more in our church is to see... um, and not that we don't do it now, but to see more of that, to see more people reaching out and stepping out a little bit to to find those that need. And I'm not going to say what they need. That's that's between you and them. You know, we've tried for for years to organize different groups and different things to to try to prompt this, but I think that's going to have to come from you guys. I'm not. It's not my strength. I'm not super administrative and it seems like every time I try to create an atmosphere like that or or do something like that it it doesn't really work because it's not really my gifting so I want to encourage you that if that's on your heart man we need we need more of it and I want to be a part of it but I don't want to lead it I think that that it would be robbing you guys from from your gifting if I did anyway. Alright I'm rambling now it's 12.02 y'all are hungry stand up with me I'll pray for you Father, I thank you. Lord, we come to you with thanksgiving in our hearts. And, Lord, we don't we don't just look to you to fix all of our problems, but we find a peace in you that you are with us in everything that we do. Lord, I thank you that you didn't just give us a peace that's based on our circumstances and what we go through and what we deal with. Lord, but you see the potential in people that, that sometimes we can't even see. So, Father, we just submit to you in that. Lord, help us to see the good in people. Help us to call out... Uh, the spirit in people. Lord, they may not even know you yet, but help us to help us to call it out in them so they can see it. Lord, thank you that, that you meet people right where you are, that you meet us right where we are. Lord, I thank you that as you've given us your spirit and you've given us this ministry of reconciliation, Lord, that as we leave this place, we're not leaving you anywhere. You are going with us. So I pray that you continue to remind us and highlight the people that need to hear from you through us. Lord, thank you that you have chosen us to co-labor with you. Lord, thank you that that we we can see your glory manifest on this earth through just simply loving people the way that you loved us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.